Welcome to the Pitbox Podcast. I'm John Satori. First one for the year. Uh, actually, it's not. No, we did one in January, didn't we? Um, but it's, uh, yeah, let's just go with it, shall we? was hoping to have uh, Jimbo and, um, and Chef Wainer on, uh, but through a combination of technical difficulties, work commitments, family commitments, just trying to get three of us in the one place, it's not even that, uh, at the one time, um, but just trying to get us all together at one time, just proved um, too much of a, uh, a, a mountain to climb, so uh, I'm just doing this one solo. This um, this podcast, looking at testing the, uh, the matchups for this season, and of course, a preview of the Bahrain Grand Prix round one of the 2021 season. It is just around the corner, and it's going to be an absolute cracker, I feel. It's the Pit Box Podcast. Pre-season testing is over. It was shortened, of course. We only had the three-day test this year, and it was conducted in Bahrain. It, it all made a lot of sense. I think we covered this in the last Pitbox podcast, that it, it makes absolute sense to do that, doesn't it, um, to have it all happen out at Bahrain. I mean, you get more running anyway. It's uh, better conditions. The, the only thing downside, I suppose, to Bahrain is that it's it's not a sort of a, um, a track that gives you – as much sort of variety uh, layout-wise as what Barcelona does. So while we do have a um, a sort of a decent guide for testing as far as the times that we've seen on the board, and even that, you know, you have the normal caveats that go along with that, um, fuel loads, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it doesn't um, – it, it's a very – it can be very sort of team-specific, the Bahrain circuit. So I think there's still a few things that will – uh, maybe come out and surprise everybody once uh, we get to um, uh, the next round after that, which is um, going to be Imola, of course. But anyway, it, uh, it was interesting, wasn't it? Um, uh, you know, we've got drivers in teams. We discussed that in the previous podcast. Um, you know, Sergio Perez is now uh, pretty much at home in Red Bull. Daniel Ricciardo's got his uh, his uh, slippers under the under the bed at McLaren seems to be getting along quite well there. We're going to talk a, a bit more in depth about that as well. And uh, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz at Ferrari. It's a shame I didn't have uh, Jimbo on because uh, he'd no doubt have an, a, an opinion on, on what's going down at, uh, at Maranello, what's going on down at Maranello. And then, of course, it's what's happening with Mercedes as well and whether we can read too much into that. And, of course, if you've been living under a rock, then you'll uh, won't have known that Mercedes didn't have it all their own way this year in testing. I mean, okay, they do tend to, if you like, um, you know, the phrase is sandbag, uh, but they it, it wasn't sandbagging this year. And if if it was, then um, and it's sort of like it's just not showing their full hand, which is fair enough. But uh, they seem to have a bit of instability in the rear end of that uh, that Mercedes this uh, uh, this last three day test. Um, at the only three-day test, and they, they didn't look as comfortable as they have in the past. Of course, you'd never, ever think that Mercedes can't pull it together. You don't win seven drivers and seven constructors' titles on the back of, of, of just lucking it every time. So you'd have to think that they're going to uh, work out what the issue is and, and get to it. Of course, if they don't, great thing. You know, um, Red Bull had a fantastic test and that's sort of, it's almost like a reverse. Red Bull tend to, in the past, certainly since the hybrid era began, haven't really nailed uh, pre-season testing. And it's always been Mercedes sort of, you, you knew that Mercedes were good, even though they weren't sort of flashing up the great times. But if you dug a bit deeper into sort of the earlier times that they do earlier in the test, you'd see, yeah, there's enough quality there to, to know that they're, they're going to be exceptional once again. Um, and Red Bull wouldn't have that. They'd be sort of trying to do some flash in the pan runs. But um, 
it, it, this season, uh, it, this test rather, Red Bull, I think, have uh, really shown, and 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 you listen to um, um, a lot of the pundits out there and 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 the experts, and they'll say, yeah, you know. Red Bull look to have it together this season. The, the the chassis looks good. They've made a few adjustments. There could be some other surprises yet to come uh, with that uh, with that Red Bull chassis. Uh, but Adrian Newey looks to have done a, a pretty good job of adjusting that uh, the rear end of that Red Bull to the current uh, uh, to the new regulations. The, the Honda engine, you know, they're very happy with what's going on. Honda sort of sort of saying in the last week or so that. They think their engine's pretty much on a par these days, and and if not, not too far behind at all, and a lot closer. So, you know, it's all coming together quite nicely. Of course, it's going to be um, Red Bull taking over the Honda engine IP, and uh, they look to be in a, in a pretty good place. And of course, it's you know, it's going to be great to see someone really, hopefully, keep the fingers crossed, challenge Mercedes for this season, um, and properly. You know, what I think Red Bull have not had for the last couple of seasons since Daniel Ricciardo left is they've had a car that's there or thereabouts, but they, and I've been over this a num- numerous times, they just haven't had the driver combination. Well, they've got that this year, haven't they? They've got Sergio Perez, um, Alex Albon's you know, uh, having a year off from it. Um, and uh, Pierre Gasly's going to be staying at Alpha Tauri, probably going to head across to Renault in, in time as well. Probably at the expense of Ocon, and I think I called that last uh, in one of the previous podcasts too. But uh, they've got a good driver combination, haven't they, this season? They really, really do. And I'm going to go into um, the driver battles that I'm really looking forward to a little bit later on uh, because there's some interesting little nuggets in there that I, I want to share with you that I, from my point of view anyway. But anyway, let's get back to testing. Um, yeah, so Mercedes, you're certainly not going to count them out for, for being in the top two, if not still sort of being the top team to beat because of their history, their tradition of the last seven years of, of absolutely nailing it when they have to. But let's hope that Red Bull really take it to them. Um, the best of the rest, if you like, uh, you know, who's in that midfield? Well, McLaren, Alpha Tauri, um, Alpine, uh, or Alpine, sorry, I should say, is the correct way to pronounce it. Uh, a Ferrari, um, you know, those guys are all pretty tight in that midfield, aren't they? There's um, not too much between them. But the one caveat to that seems to be McLaren and the noises that just the, the certain comments that have come out. Uh, one from Lando Norris saying that we never really we never really gave it the full beans and had it in you know proper qualifying trim. They've got that new diffuser that seems to be working really well for them. And I, I you know I really hope they've been able to turn that or you know not turn it around because they turned it they've turned it around in the last couple of years. But to really build on what they've uh, what they've done in the last two years, they were probably the fourth fastest team. They admit that everybody pretty much knows that they just had a better sort of operation, if you like, than what um, Racing Point a la Aston Martin had last year. Um, but I really hope that what they've done with this car, the new Mercedes engine they've incorporated into it, they've done really well with that, haven't they? Um, considering that they didn't have any issues in testing, yeah, they didn't put as many miles on the clock as others, but um, they were sort of saying a lot of the reason for that was that they were, the drivers were doing sort of half days each. So by the time they sort of turned the car over from one driver to another, it took that little bit of extra time. Uh, whereas uh, other teams did it differently as far as their programs are concerned and, and the drivers, you know, taking up how much time on, on each day. But McLaren do look good, don't they? Um, it, it's almost like, yeah, I only want to whisper it. Is that from um, 
What's the what's the movie Gladiator? You only want to whisper it because you worry that if you say it any louder, it's not going to come true. But wouldn't it be great to have a three-way battle? Wouldn't it? Absolutely incredible if we could actually have that. Even even if McLaren just occasionally make it tough for Mercedes or Red Bull to get the other podium spot. You know what I mean? That would be absolutely brilliant. But of course, you've got. As I say, Ferrari, um, Alpine, Aston Martin, sorry, and no, I think I, I omitted them earlier. Um, and, of course, they're uh, certainly in that mix of uh, of midfield teams along with Alpha Tauri. And that's the next team I wanted to talk about because, you know, McLaren, we know they're looking pretty strong and, and it's going to be really interesting to see this weekend how they do in qualifying. They seem to have done some really good um, qualifying sims but haven't really, as Norris said, put the beans, uh, given it full beans, Um but their long run, long run pace looked pretty good as well. So that's, you know, most people are sort of thinking that McLaren are looking like the um, third best team at the moment, but you can't count Aston Martin out either. But the thing is that, you know, they are now in a 2019 Mercedes that has been modified. Um, okay, they've got a, a sort of a, a very similar rear end and suspension was it that they've taken from this year's Mercedes. Um, and of course, they've got the, the Mercedes gearbox and engine that they have to incorporate into it. And they, But they had issues, as Mercedes did with the gearbox on the first day. Bottas had some limited running in the Merck on day one, and, and they didn't have it all their own way. As we know, Hamilton having a couple of spins, that nervous rear end in the Mercedes I'm talking about. But Aston Martin also didn't have the um, uh, the neatest of tests and never really quite showed fantastic pace. So there's a few question marks as to whether or not, um, one, they've got the car, they've been able to adapt the car that they had. Remembering, as I said earlier, it's a 2019 Merc, whether they've been able to adapt that car uh, for 2021's, uh, for the 21 season and the regulations um, and, and get something decent out of it. Of course, they've got the best engine in the back of it, best gearbox arguably as well. So you'd have to think that they're going to be there or thereabouts, but they certainly didn't show it in testing. Then you go to Ferrari, and they're saying that they've been able to recoup some of that lost power from the engine. Um, they've made some changes as well. Of course, everybody has spent tokens. Uh, the, uh, uh, the the change of the, the, the floor just in front of the rear wheels that everybody's had to sort of take chunks out of that floor piece. And maybe Ferrari have... Um, have have come up a bit from where they were last year in testing. It seemed to be that it was a solid test for them, but nothing spectacular. Um, was that them keeping their powder dry? I, I tend to think not. I think after having a, a bad season, you're wanting to show that you've got a bit of form on the board. And so you'll do, a you know, some glory runs and at least sort of show a little bit more than what Ferrari did. So I still think they're probably at best, the fourth best team, depending on where Aston Martin are. Um, and then it's sort of between Alpine and Aston, uh, and um, Alpha Tauri. I mean, Alpha Tauri had some great runs, didn't they? But then it was worked out. I think it was some keen fan who saw that the um, the rear of the Alpha Tauri's, the DRS wing, was opening up you know, quite a, a way before the DRS zone actually started at the Bahrain International Circuit. That was a good spot, wasn't it? Uh, and so, hence, they had some good times. But there's also been some quite solid times, some good race pace in there from Alpha Tauri as well. So they're certainly in that mix, but you'd have to say probably towards the bottom of that midfield group, um, along with uh, Ferrari and Alpine, I think. And, and I think it's Miss, uh, McLaren and, and Aston Martin, again, depending on how they come through Friday and, uh, and Saturday qualifying, uh, and we'll see that pretty soon. 
that who to me look like um, um, leading that uh, that midfield at the moment, and then you've got the likes of uh, Alpha Romeo, uh, Williams, and uh, Haas. By the sounds of it, uh, a little bit further down the field. Uh, so let's move on to drivers and driver combinations. It uh, you know it, it, this year is really going to give us a, a a great idea on how good certain drivers are because they're going to be up against other well-established drivers or it, it you know having dr- different drivers in different teams it, it just gives you a um a better idea of of where every driver is you know we've had Sergio go to Red Bull we've had um Leclerc joined at Ferrari by signs uh Stroll has got Vettel as a, a teammate Ricardo's gone to McLaren and Alonso comes in alongside Esteban Ocon and let's let's start with that driver combination I mean I'm going to leave the Haas drivers there for the moment because you know they're two new rookie drivers I think Mick Schumacher is probably going to wipe the floor with uh, Nikita Mazepin. Um, but let's uh, let's take a look at uh, Alonso versus Ocon because, you know, I've spoken about Ocon before. I think he's, he's really in danger, I think, if he doesn't have a good year this year because he had a mediocre year last year uh, alongside Daniel Ricciardo. You know, driving against Ricciardo is not easy. Ricciardo is a very fast driver, um, you know, but he's he's a friendly teammate. And it's not to say that Alonso can't be friendly. He was very friendly to Stoffel van Dorn, but he knew he had Stoffel's number. Um, you know, but we've seen in the past with Alonso, if he doesn't get along with a driver, then he can be an absolute, um, well, extraordinarily difficult um, as, a, as, as a teammate. And Alonso isn't going to pull any punches just because it's um, a young driver beside him. And I think Ocon really has an uphill battle. I think keeping a seat in Formula One, unless he gets something, say, at Alpha Tauri, because already, and someone was uh, had written it today in, on one of the websites that he Ocon has been pretty much usurped by George Russell, <clears throat> pardon me, as the the sort of the number one um, backup driver for Mercedes now. Uh, particularly after that uh, that race last year that Russell had in the Mercedes, he proved that he could step into that machine and and <clears throat> you know be almost as good as uh, as Lewis Hamilton. Okay, don't don't ring up and, and complain about that. You know what I'm talking about. Um, sorry, Luminati can get uh, rather vicious at times if you don't say the right thing. Anyway, um, I, I think Ocon, is, as I said, is is in in dangerous in a in a dangerous situation because he needs to find the same sort of passion and the same sort of spirit that he had when he was driving along Perez when they were driving at Racing Point or Force India, I think it was at that point either way. They were in the pink cars. Um, and remember, you know, the battles they had at Baku. Remember, uh, a couple of times, was it two different years at uh, the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa, where neither driver come, I mean, I certainly remember it coming down from La Source and heading down towards Eau Rouge and back up the hill. They were driving wheel to wheel and need, and these are teammates, neither driver was backing out of it. You know, and that's the sort of driving we need to, or Ocon needs to show alongside Fernando Alonso this season without doing anything crazy, without having the clash. But he needs to put that sort of stuff forward because we didn't see enough of that from him last year. And if he doesn't do it this year, then why are Renault going to say, look, yeah, uh, we'll keep you on when you're pretty much a Mercedes driver? Um, you know, we can get Pierre Gasly, who's French and, you know, is on the way up at the moment. So there's a, there's a big job ahead for Esteban Ocon. And of course, Alonso, you just get the feeling that this, you know, Ocon isn't going to be much of a match for him. But it, it's going to be great to have Alonso back in F1. I think he makes F1 a better place, if you like, having him in it. 
So let's move along to um, Vettel versus Stroll. Um, you know, Vettel didn't have a great season last season in the Ferrari alongside Charles Leclerc. Didn't get off. I mean, it was a big slap in the face, wasn't it? You know, they were talking about drive to survive and, you know, the, the big moments as far as drivers were concerned um, from last year. And, you know, Vettel not getting offered the contract um, from Ferrari so early on in the piece was a big slap in the face, really. And he's now up against Lance Stroll. Of course, it's dad's team. That doesn't mean anything if you don't, you know, drive the socks off the car. Surely dad isn't going to keep you in it. But it's got to be said, I suppose, Vettel's probably of all the um, of all the uh, the veterans, if you like, who've, who've moved teams, um, has probably got the, the easiest of jobs, uh, apart from Alonso, but he didn't move teams. He's come back in. Um, but Sebastian Vettel alongside Lance Stroll, you'd think that's pretty much a lay-down Mazaire. Uh, but again, it'll be interesting to see how good Stroll is. We've only really seen him up against, you know, I mean, Sergio Perez, and he did a decent job against Perez. And, you know, there were times where Stroll was pretty damn good, wasn't he? You know, he put in some good performances, had some, you know, some good races and some good results. And, you know, and that was against Perez, who I, I sort of, I really quite rate, and obviously Red Bull do as well. But will that continue on when you've got a driver of the caliber of Sebastian Vettel? But Vettel is sort of trying to bounce back from what was been a pretty disastrous, not only last year, but you look at 2018, 2019, not great years for him. He was outperformed by Leclerc in 2019, 2018. You could arguably say the championship was his for the taking. And, you know, starting with what happened in Germany when he put the car into the into the billboards, uh, not billboards, but into the uh, barrier rather, at the German Grand Prix, and it all sort of went downhill from there with various clashes with Hamilton in Italy and Verstappen in Japan and, and, and a few others. He just, you know, 18, 19, and 20 have not been good years for Sebastian Vettel. So hopefully he's hit, he's hit the reset button. And, and I suppose against Lance Stroll, it's probably a good place to be, really, for him to have to hit that reset button because Stroll probably isn't going to put up too much of a, a stern test, but enough of a test if we take what he was able to do on occasions against Sergio Perez in the, in the last year or so. So, um, But it's still going to be interesting to see where Vettel stacks up and, and, and vice versa, where Stroll stacks up against you know, a, a, a world champion. That's going to be very interesting. And of course, maybe Daddy might have to make a, an interesting decision at the end of this season. Um, talking of Ferrari, as we were with Sebastian Vettel, uh, Sainz has moved in alongside Leclerc. We all know the quality of Leclerc. That's the reason he got the five-year contract over a four-time world champion, and we're going to see how good Carlos Sainz is. I mean, you know, he did a great job at at McLaren. There is no doubt. You know, it really was the restart of his career. He started off at um, at AlphaTauri at uh, Toro Rosso. Then he sort of got a, a, a you know he got a life preserve thrown to him when he went to Renault. Never really shone fantastically well at Renault, but did enough and obviously was a man without a drive until McLaren found themselves without a driver. And, you know, Carlos Sainz stepped in and the rest, as they say, is history. And he, you know, he has done a fantastic job for McLaren, there's no doubt. But again, he was up against a rookie. Lando Norris is still a very good driver. And we're going to get to him and Daniel Ricciardo in a second. Um, But Sainz versus Leclerc, we know the quality of Leclerc. He is a fast driver. He's kicked out, if you like, a four-time world champion from Ferrari. Um, he's taken it to Lewis Hamilton. You know, he's a, a quality driver. So we're going to see exactly how good Carlos Sainz is. And that's a really good driver pairing, as long as Ferrari have got the car that can actually give these two what they need to battle it with the top of the midfield. And it's going to be fantastic to see. Because I, I, I do, I like Carlos Sainz. He's got... 
I think he's got good racecraft. He, he, I don't think he's terrific in qualifying. I think his races are certainly better, and that's just now from you know the years of experience that he's now got under his belt. But that's going to be a, a really interesting um, driver pairing, and to see exactly where Sainz is versus Leclerc. So uh, before we get on to the main event, which I, I, I pick as um, a Perez versus Verstappen, um, looking at Ricardo and Lando Norris, and again, it's we'll, we'll get to see how quick Lando Norris is against a, a, a proven Grand Prix winner in Daniel Ricardo. You know, Ricardo. He um, he's got to do great things. I mean, he's excited. He seems to have fitted in really well at McLaren. Um, I, I worry about the whole social media aspect that everybody's going to expect the same sort of level of chumminess and fun and and um, and, and laughter and and palliness that went on between Signs and and Norris. I think people are going to be a bit disappointed because of what the, the sort of the standard, the level that uh, Signs and, and Norris were able to sort of have the chumminess and the fun on social media. Um, and, and I don't think as much as Ricardo, I think, you know, Ricardo's a funny guy. There's no doubt. And he, he's great fun, but I just get the feeling it's going to be a little bit of a letdown, uh, but it'll still be fun. It'll still be good, but I just don't think it's going to be the same level as what science is uh, and, and, and Norris were. But anyway, back onto the circuit, um, Ricardo versus uh, Norris. Yeah. We're going to see how good Lando Norris is. I think he's going to stack up pretty well, but I still expect Ricardo to get the better of him. Um, you know, he's won, you know, various Grand Prix in the last uh, five or so years. And I, I I really hope they can do exactly what Sainz and Norris did last season, which is work as a team. And I think they will, because Ricardo's not that sort of driver to, to sort of really battle ridiculously hard, unless something is, you know, he feels slighted, which he did, obviously, when in his last year at Red Bull, and particularly what happened at the Baku Grand Prix. But, you know, Ricardo isn't that sort of driver. Um, it's not like he'll back out of anything, but he's not going to get crazy like some other drivers might do in that same situation. And um, but you know, I, I think that's a that's another very good combination of drivers. And just to see how good Lando Norris is, and I get the feeling he's going to be pretty damn good when you stack him up next to Daniel Ricardo. But the big one for me is Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen. This is tantalizingly delicious. Horner is going to have his work cut out for him. He's going to have to manage that relationship very, very carefully. You've got Max Verstappen. Well, you know, Verstappen, you, you, again, you look back to that Baku clash between himself and Daniel Ricciardo. You know, Verstappen takes no prisoners on, on, on track. We say that about a lot of drivers. Um, but, you know, Verstappen is definitely one. But so is Perez. And again, you you know, I mentioned earlier about the battle between Ocon and Perez when they were both at Racing Point, a la Force India, um, at Spa and at Baku as well in the the past three or four years. And and Perez isn't a driver who takes his foot off the accelerator too early either. And it, that's a great thing to have. But when you've got these guys and they have to, they have to drive as a team as much as Perez wants to, he he would see this as his probably one chance, particularly if Red Bull turn out to have a, a car that's at least on a par, if not maybe better than the Merck. Perez is going to see this as his one golden opportunity to win a world championship. You know, and he's got to see it like that as well. Um, so he's not going to take any prisoners. He he will take every opportunity given to him. But how many will he be given by Max Verstappen? So mentally, 
Verstappen has always sort of had the edge on every teammate that he's had. Um, Daniel Ricciardo, he got the better of Dan, there's no doubt. Uh, I think Ricciardo's a better driver for it. But um, Verstappen is an absolute beast on and off track, and that's going to be a real challenge for Perez. But Perez has got a bit more experience, and I don't think he'll get as rattled as what he may have done um, in previous years. But the, the critical thing for Red Bull here is they don't, don't do what Ferrari did, and that is drop points in that Constructors' Championship battle. If they do that, then Mercedes are going to win it again. And that's what Horner is going to have to manage extremely, extremely carefully because you need both of your drivers scoring points. Now, the last two years, Red Bull haven't been able to do that. Not that even if, you know, even if, you know, uh, Gasly and um, Alexander Albon were up to scratch as far as, you know, being able to get the same or similar results, you know, if not being third, then being fourth uh, in, uh, in race results in the last two years, I don't think Red Bull would have had enough to overhaul Mercedes. But you need to have drivers who can consistently be just the one place behind your teammate, if not ahead of them. And that's going to be really critical, particularly this year when Red Bull have got a good car, because this is echoes for mine of what happened with Ferrari in 2018, a car that was on par um, and, and, and at, some race, at some circuits better than the Mercedes. And look what happened with Sebastian Vettel. It fell apart. They didn't have also the wingman, Kimi Raikkonen, loved the Kimster, but 2018, he wasn't fast enough in that Ferrari to back up Sebastian Vettel to be his wingman to take the pressure, you know, to take Bottas or, in fact, was it, yeah, it was Bottas at that year as well, to take Bottas off Sebastian Vettel's tail or sort of keep him occupied so Vettel could go after Hamilton. And so Mercedes always had a two-on-one situation. And that's the reason for mine, as much as, you know, Vettel bottled it at the German Grand Prix and then got himself into various unneeded clashes, of which most of the time he came off second best in 2018. But they they need to not have that happen. They've got to have both of their drivers in the game, Red Bull. Otherwise, that's what's going to happen, is that Mercedes will play that fantastic um, strategic game that they do during a race of being able to keep one driver occupied or one driver keeping the, you know, the, the, the wingman occupied so that... Um, their number one driver, which is more often than not Hamilton, can sail off into the sunset. So Red Bull have to be really careful, but a real big opportunity, as I say, very much like Ferrari had in 2018, of taking it to Mercedes. And everybody wants to see that. We all want to see Mercedes really seriously having it taken to them and and for it to be a right battle. And as I said at the start, what would be absolutely brilliant as well would be if there was a third team in there. You know, I'd love for it to be McLaren and Daniel Ricciardo, obviously, but even if it's Aston Martin, to have three teams, and and you know, even if that third team isn't sort of always going to be a threat for for the top step of the podium, but to be there enough to make it difficult for those top two teams that they they, they can't sort of deploy their um uh the, the tactics that Mercedes have employed so well, and again those tactics that I talk about that they did in two thousand and eighteen where they had a, a two on one. You know, and and that's the that's what that's what happened with you know Red Bull in 2018 is that they had one good driver in Sebastian uh, sorry in um, 
Max Verstappen. And of course, Verstappen was too often the fourth driver in that battle of, of four cars, two Mercs, one Ferrari and one Red Bull. And of course, Verstappen had no interest in helping out Sebastian Vettel. And of course, that meant that Vettel was sort of battling two teams, um, but three other drivers, uh, whereas Hamilton was really only battling you know, one other driver. Uh, which was his teammate, and his teammate was happily keeping those other guys behind um, at bay. And, of course, that let Hamilton gave – not sort of let Hamilton, but it gave Hamilton a big advantage. It gave Mercedes a big advantage. So they – you know, that that's a situation I could I can see arising again where if we have that third team, they're going to be enough of a pest that Red Bull, if they haven't, well, don't have a car that's as good as what Mercedes have or are able to sort of turn around and bring to the party this year, that Red Bull will have that same situation or be in that same situation that Ferrari were in in 2018. Well, we'll wait and see, I suppose. It's uh, all, going to, uh, all going to happen um, in the not-too-distant. So this weekend, it is round one of the 2021 World Championship. Uh, really exciting. Of course, we've got pretty much the same cars as last year, as we know. Uh, some slight modifications to um, get rid of some of the downforce at the rear. And as I was saying earlier, it's going to be interesting because this circuit can be quite um, uh, specific and, and, and helpful for certain cars and, and not for others. Whereas Barcelona, as a test circuit, gives us uh, sort of a better um, a better judgment, if you like, because it's got more of every sort of corner that you experience across a, uh, every circuit on the uh, on the calendar, whereas Bahrain doesn't really have that. Pardon me. Um, so um, it's yeah, it, it, this is going to be interesting to see whether or not Red Bull, because remember the last year that uh, Hamilton got the win here. He, this is the last race of the season. Uh, sorry, not it was the last, the second last race of the season. Uh, Hamilton had uh, previous race had uh, had to have that one off because of um, a COVID test that had come back positive, but he got pole position straight off the bat when he got back into the seat and he went on to win. Of course, it was also um, that horrific accident um, from uh, Romain Grosjean that will stick in everybody's memory. And uh, great, uh, I saw something earlier uh, that, um, you know, he's uh, getting to grips with um, uh, the new series that he's racing in. And it's great to see that he's uh, jumping back into the sea, getting back on the horse, as they say. But uh, yeah, it was a win to uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen got second. Albon got up onto the podium for third. It wasn't enough, unfortunately, for him to save his seat. Norris was fourth and uh, the McLaren of Science was fifth. So you'd sort of expect when you look at that, that's a, a, a you know, it's a circuit that's going to suit McLaren, so they'd be hoping that they're going to be sort of in those um, sort of third best team positions. Uh, Pierre Gasly in the AlphaTauri had a good result once again. Uh, he got P6, of course. He got his first ever race win, and what a one it was at uh, the Italian Grand Prix in Monza. Daniel Ricciardo ended up seventh for Renault. The Merck of Bottas was down in eighth. Ocon was ninth, and Charles Leclerc rounded out the top ten. So, um yeah, it, it's it's going to be the same tire compounds as uh, as we had last year uh, that uh, that Pirelli are bringing. So we've got the C two, C three, and C four. So they sit right in the middle of the range of compounds. So not the hardest, not the uh, softest. Uh, the uh, white is obviously the C two, yellow is the C three, and the red is the C four. It's um, it's a, a track that you need a lot of good traction at. It's reasonably hard on braking. It's got some good overtaking opportunities, obviously, with the two DRS zones as well. 
So it, it, I think it's, you know, last year it was a great race. I'd, I would have loved to have seen them do the secure layout, to be very honest. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. What a race that was last year. Just a shame we can't have that happen again. But, um, again, when you look at who who's going to do well here, you've got to, again, you can't go past saying Mercedes aren't going to be the favourites for this, despite what's happening, uh, what's happened in pre-season testing. Yep. Red Bull with a form team of testing, but it was testing. You know, how much fuel level was everybody running, particularly Mercedes? Yeah, they had their problems, but how, you know, it, it's not like a team like Mercedes won't be working their tails off and with the uh, the sort of staff that they have and the resources they have available to them, you wouldn't bet against them being on the top step of the podium, at the very least being on the podium, if not the top step, uh, when we get to uh, Sunday evening. Of course, it's a it's a night race, and um, it's, it's a circuit that I initially didn't particularly like, but I think under lights, it really, really works. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to that season opener. Looking forward to seeing how Ricardo and McLaren get on, you know, have you know what is their pace going to be like qualifying? I get the feeling they've got something decent underneath them. Uh, I really hope for Daniel's sake that is the case. Um, you know he's committed to three years, a multi-year deal with McLaren. He sees that as the future, and of course the uh, new cars for 2022 that are coming in. He'll be uh, hoping that McLaren have you know, and particularly with the budget restrictions that everybody's now on a more level playing field that McLaren will do a good job, and that's what he's really banking on. But it's good to see him nail his colours to the mast and say, right, I'm, I'm with these guys for three years. Because when he when he went across to Renault, you could just tell that it was like, a, you know, I don't want to be where I am, but there's nowhere else really to go, but I just don't want to be where I am. And, you know, that's why he hot-footed it out of uh, out of Red Bull. Um, and, and like a lot of people sort of said, oh, yeah, it was because Ricardo got got done over by, you know, Max Verstappen and he was better than him, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, yeah, but don't forget, there were some decisions there that they made, particularly that Baku one where, you know, they had to go back and, and apologise to the whole factory. Really? I can understand. I remember saying at the time that that is going to be a big, big decision for Ricardo to make now whether or not he wants to stay because that wasn't his fault. <laughs> that should have been Verstappen backing off. Anyway... Uh, that's history, but it's going to be a really interesting race. Can't wait for it to get underway. Can't wait to uh, chat to Jimbo and Chef Wayner uh, and uh, and review that as well once the race has finished. But yet for mine, unfortunately, uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I get the feeling we're going to see the usual suspects on uh, on the podium, and that's uh, most likely a at least one of the silver arrows on the top step, and maybe Max Verstappen on the uh, the second step. But after that. I think it could be a little bit more of an open race between Verstappen, uh, Sergio, Perez, uh, sorry, um, uh, Sergio Perez, Valtteri Bottas, and you never know, maybe something green or orange. So there we go. The uh, second Pitbox podcast for the season has uh, chugged off down the runway, lifted its wheels and taken flight. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, give us a review. Uh, subscribe either on... Um, uh, what is it called? Um, uh, Spot Spotify? Spotify. <laughs> it's been that long since I've done this. Uh, a Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we hope to keep you entertained and informed a little bit right throughout the season. I'll be getting Jimbo and uh, Chef Wayner on as well uh, in the upcoming weeks when we get the season uh, reviews and previews underway properly. We'll try and get ourselves uh, on a, a proper schedule. Uh, until then, hope you enjoy the Grand Prix. Really can't wait to see what happens this weekend. Catch you next time.